Hello, and welcome to the Argentina Project podcast. Stay informed about political and economic developments in Argentina and U.S.-Argentina relations. This podcast is a production of the Argentina Project at the Latin American program of the Woodrow Wilson International Center for Scholars. Hello and welcome to the Argentina Project podcast. I am your host, Benjamin Gadan. Argentina is in a fragile economic condition. Inflation could very well reach 100% this year. The country has high debts and low reserves of the hard currency it needs to pay for imports, pay creditors, and maintain the value of its unpopular currency. In August, President Alberto Fernandez chose Sergio Massa as his latest finance minister after Martin Guzman resigned abruptly in July, and his replacement lasted less than a month on the job. I'm in Buenos Aires at the moment, and things have settled down a bit since Massa's appointment. Massa is a skilled political operator, and for now, he seems less vulnerable than his predecessors to pressure from Vice President Cristina Fernandez, who has undermined previous efforts to cut government spending. Massa also has strong ties in Washington, where he recently traveled to meet with senior officials at the State Department, the U.S. Treasury, and the IMF. Afterward, the IMF managing director congratulated Massa for his appointment and for the, quote, strong steps that he and his economic team have taken to stabilize the markets and reverse a scenario of high volatility. Among those steps are sharp decreases in government subsidies for electricity, natural gas, and water that the government has resisted for years despite the enormous drain on scarce public resources. Massa also introduced a new exchange rate, the soy dollar, or dollar soja, to persuade farmers to sell vast amounts of harvested and stockpiled soybeans rather than wait for an eventual devaluation of the peso. Is this the calm before the storm, or has Argentina avoided another economic meltdown? Are the recent measures addressing long-term challenges or simply keeping the lights on in a country that has not found a formula for sustained growth for more than a decade? In this episode, I pose these and other questions to my guest, Andres Borenstein, the chief economist at EconoViews, a professor at the Universidad de Buenos Aires and the Universidad Torcuato de Tela, and the host of the podcast, La Economía en Tres Minutos. Our conversation lasts slightly longer. Andres. Thank you so much for joining us. It's an honor to be here. Andres, how grave are economic conditions in Argentina right now? How close is Argentina to a crisis and what type of crisis? The inflation rate in this country seems to be approaching 100% this year. The central bank is so low on foreign currency reserves that imports are now being restricted, affecting business and industry and everyday life. My question is, are we close to another serious Argentine economic crisis? Well, it's, it's a very interesting question, and it will depend on what do you call a crisis. Um, probably, probably in U.S. terms, Argentina is already in a crisis. In Argentine terms, we are in a very fragile situation, but probably not in a crisis. And I would say that uh, the likelihood of getting into a crisis in the next year uh, into what we Argentines call a crisis in the next year is relatively low. Actually, we were close to a crisis in July. Uh, in July, we had three finance ministers. And the third finance minister, who was the Speaker of the House, uh, he left the House to become the finance minister. I think he took a couple of uh, steps in the right direction. So we moved uh, two steps back from the chasm in many ways. Uh, and this is basically because the the power broker in, in Argentina, who's the vice president, Cristina Kirchner, 
got frightened. Uh, you know, we, we, we had uh, the finance minister was a, a U.S. graduate, a PhD from Brown, a guy who I would say is technically solvent, but he couldn't implement any fiscal adjustment, any policy because he wasn't allowed to. And uh, as the VP got frightened, I think that uh, she allowed uh, the, the new leadership in the, in the, in the finance team to, to take some, some measures. These measures are not going to be enough to turn around the economy. Forget about that. But I think, as I said, we moved uh, away from, uh, we moved back from, from, the, from, from this, uh, you know, chasm or, or... so we, we are not going to have hyperinflation. Yes, inflation is going up. Uh, we printed 7% in August. You know, that's compared to the 0.1 in the United States. Uh, the 8.3 that you guys have in the United States equals to 78.5 in Argentina. And given the trajectory, uh, it's, it's going to be, you know, almost sure that we will get at least 95, probably 100 by the end of the year. Uh, but again, you know, I, I'm 50 years old. And uh, when I was 17, uh, inflation was 200% a month. We reached five thousand percent in eighty nine, and and two thousand percent or something like that in in, in nineteen ninety. So, you know, this is quite bad, but it's not hyperinflation. It's a different standard for crisis and a different standard for an inflationary crisis as well. Absolutely, but then 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 the other part of your question, for instance, in terms of uh, import restrictions and. Our, our level of international reserves is quite low. So normally countries that have very low reserves depreciate the currency. The problem is that depreciating the currency would generate even more inflation. And, and in general, we tend to think that when you depreciate the currency without a plan, uh, that's kind of uh, useless because then inflation catches up and, and, and everything you gain on the exchange rate side, you lose it on, on, on inflation. So the government is reluctant to depreciate the currency. So the only way to, to, you know, to, to balance everything is to cut imports. Uh, so uh, we are restricting imports. We, we have currency control. So for, for Argentines, it's impossible to buy dollars, which is our safe haven. Um, so uh, the problem is that, and, and this is the, I don't know if you remember the three stooges when you, you cut, you cut uh, the, 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 the leakage on one side of the pipe and then the water comes out on the other side of the pipe. So you cut imports, so uh, things are, are not dramatic on the FX side, but then you need the inputs to produce. So you have a number of manufacturers complaining that uh, they don't have inputs, so we may have now a recession because we cannot produce goods given the lack of inputs. Or... In, in some consumption goods, uh, you know, getting stuff in Argentina is is difficult. Actually, when we travel to the U.S., but also to Uruguay, to Chile, and we go to a supermarket, you say, "Wow, what a variety these guys have!" As if as if we were in you know, in, in the nineteenth century, uh, the number of brands, the number of products, and this is because we only you know sell what we produce and a, a couple of things that man, manage to get through customs one way or the other. Andres, I want to talk to you about the trip to Washington recently by the new finance minister, Sergio Massa, the former head of the lower house of Congress. You pointed out some of the measures he's taken domestically that have calmed markets somewhat and showed some commitment to fiscal adjustment, to honoring the program with the International Monetary Fund, to reducing the printing of pesos and the hiring of public employees. It was seen as a successful trip. 
He had meetings with the U.S. Treasury Secretary, a meeting with the head of the IMF. He met with lithium producers and oil and gas producers. He seemed to receive additional financing from multilateral development banks. I'm curious, do you think this really was meaningful in terms of fixing structural problems in Argentina? Or again, are these really short-term emergency measures to avoid an even bigger crisis, but don't solve some of the problems that got Argentina here in the first place? Okay, let me let me give you the easy part and then uh, we, we cover the, the DC trip. Uh, the easy part is no way uh, we he, he will fix uh, the long-term or the structural problems of Argentina. And obviously, any trip to DC could solve this issue. I mean, you to, to solve structural problems, you need time and you need <clears throat> many years of being consistent in, say, opening the economy, cutting the deficit, removing red tape, making, you know, cutting uh, taxes, uh, streamlining the, the labor law. So, you know, one week in Washington will not cover that. Secondly, I would say that in order to fix Argentina, this is the macro, the, the short-term issue, you need what we call a stabilization plan. And a stabilization plan can only be done by a government that is popular, that has credibility, which basically this government is, is not the case. You know, this is a government that uh, it's a coalition where the VP and the president doesn't talk to each other. They don't talk to each other, sorry. Um they lost the midterm election and, and you know, credibility is, is, is very, very low, including for Sergio Massa. Even in this quote-unquote successful trip, his credibility is, is very low. Remember that he, <laughs> he was an anti-Kishnerite, now he's a pro-Kishnerite and he's whatever, you know, you want him to be. So, so and, and people are, you know, are a little bit uh, tired of that. So fixing no, but... But uh, I think they, they, there are soft patches on the way, and, and the soft patches that, that, that Massa is putting uh, together are better than any soft patch than uh, others have tried to, 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 to create. Uh, and, and then let, let me then go to Washington. Um, I think it was relatively successful in, in the relationship with the IFIs, the Fund, the World Bank, the IADB, where... When when he, when when he, he met the IMF, you know, he had an ace upon his sleeve saying, "Listen, I've done more than any other <laughs> than than my predecessor. So, if you haven't, um, you know, pushed my predecessors, you cannot push me, because, you know, for good or ill, I cut uh, some of the subsidies on on utilities. I uh, committed to not printing more money. I I increased interest rates. One of the issues with the IMF is having positive real interest rates. So, so you know, I, I I've done more than others, so I'm good. So that went well. I think he mended the relationship with with the IADB and the World Bank, which was a little bit damaged for political and economic reasons. But political reasons were probably senior. And he met the guys, the easy guys, because you know Argentina has twenty percent of the lithium that's available in the world. So, you know, any uh, wannabe lithium producer in Argentina meets whoever comes from Argentina. The same goes for oil and gas. You know, Argentina has Vaca Muerta, which is the second largest uh, um, shale gas deposit in the world and, and is producing and it has, done, it has gone through a, a, a very successful learning curve. Um, so costs are, are reasonably low. So that's the easy part. 
Interestingly, when Massa took over a month ago, or 45 days ago, he said, I'm going to also go to Wall Street and I'm going to get a lot of money for Argentina. You know, we haven't heard anything back uh, from that because obviously the world is not prepared to give Argentina fresh money. But again, we, we were in a, such a situation in July that, you know, getting the go-ahead from the IMF and, and, and receiving some peanuts from the World Bank and the IADB is, is successful. Andres, you, you've been pretty clear that you don't see Sergio Massa as the path toward structural reform, to solving the core problems in Argentina that reduce competitiveness, that lead to overspending and high debt and repeated crises. So, so let, let's focus on the short term. The Argentine government is desperate for hard currencies. We've talked about the import restrictions, the capital controls that are all the result of a central bank that has run out of dollars. And the solutions appear to be convincing farmers to sell more of the crops they've already grown, um, that they were waiting to sell in expectation of a devaluation, to produce more and export more oil and gas, to export more mining output. How are the policies functioning in these areas? Tell us about the multiple exchange rates, the newest one, the dollar soha, whether it'll be a dollar malbec. You know, what is going on in these short-term, creative, very Argentine emergency measures to try to generate short-term gains in hard currency? Okay, great. Um, Let me give you a little bit of background. Uh, We have an official dollar that is worth around 140 pesos, and we have a market dollar, basically... uh, the black market, which is trading at around 280, or the legal uh, market dollar, which basically means buying bonds locally and selling them in the US, uh, which gives you an implicit exchange rate of 280. So you buy the bonds with pesos and you sell it in dollars, and and that's the way to to buy dollars legally. That's the way the companies uh, do it uh, in Argentina. So exporters have to sell at the official dollar of 140. And in particular, um, soybean exporters pay an export tax of 33%. So if you sell at 140 and you pay a 33% import tax, you're receiving a dollar of a little bit more than, you know, not even 100 pesos. So when the, the market dollar is 280, you as a producer receive 100. And you say, listen, this is not a great deal. So what happened was that um, producers stopped selling. Basically, they accumulated, um, they hoarded soybeans. And my estimation was that by the end of August, they had 5 million tons of soybeans, more than they normally have at this time of the year. So they did sell, but they sell less than they normally do. They were, you know, because they sold, they sold a lot of uh, corn, they, 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 they weren't cash constraints. So they hoarded soybeans. The government is hyper thirsty for dollars. So they came up with this dollar soja, which means that, if the farmer sells the soybeans, they will receive instead of 140, 200 pesos. So that means that there is a, a subsidy of 60 pesos per dollar. So and the goal is that the soybean um, exp- the, 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 the soybean value chain sells during September around 9 million tons of grain. So the 5 million tons that they have uh, hoarded plus some, the, the actual the natural flow of sales during September that will make somewhere between eight and nine million uh, tons of grain. So, <coughs> sorry, this is very useful, although at a cost, because Argentina is paying these 60 pesos per, per dollar of, of cost, but it's useful because the, the central bank that was basically 
scraping the barrel in terms of uh, international reserves now has a couple you know a couple of billion more of of reserves which is nothing remember that argentina imports something like 7 billion dollars per month so having 2 billion more of reserves is gaining one week of imports that's it but you know when you are basically uh, when your reserves are completely depleted uh, 2 billion is a lot uh, so so that's the structure now the soybean has a sex appeal that nobody else has for two reasons. One is that you have a stock. I mean, this is not to boost exports. This is because you, what you export in September, you don't export in October. This is soybean that it has already been produced. So uh, if you have a stock of uh, hoarded soybean, okay, this, is, this incentive helps you, gives the producer the signal, okay, it's time to sell. But winemakers don't have a stock of wine. Oh, you know, wheat producers don't have a stock of wheat. So it's hard to think that with this dollar, you will change the story. Also, more, more, most of this crop have, have a, 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 a year cycle. So you, you harvest the, the wine in Argentina, the, the grapes for the wine in January, February. So you cannot produce more wine uh, in, in, in September. Simply you can't uh, because there are not enough grapes around. So that's the first point. The second point, which is critical, is that the soybeans are completely exported. We don't use soybean as an input, or we use very little. So if you give an, an, a higher price, you don't hammer inflation. Because remember that if, if I'm an exporter and, and, and I receive 200 pesos, if I want to sell locally the soybean, I will charge 200 so the price of the local the local price will go up but because there is no local price for soybean because we don't use it domestically there is no impact on inflation now assume that i'm going to have a 200 pesos per dollar in the malbec or in cars or in steel or in aluminum uh, so, so those are things that argentina exports but also consumes locally well the price of those goods locally will go up with uh, the dollar so that's another knock-on effect on, on inflation. So that's why I think that there's not going to be yet another dollar. And if, if somebody asks me, I, I would say, please, government, resist <laughs> providing. Uh, and then, of course, you have a third problem if you do this, which is that you have too many different dollars. And you have a bureaucrat who has to say, Hey Benjamin, you go on the dollar A, and somebody else goes on the dollar B, and that—that's a corruption opportunity. We tend to like markets where there is only one price, so there is no bureaucrat that can influence that. Uh, maybe there is no corruption, and maybe it works well, but I don't want to open the door for that. Andres, before we conclude, I want to talk about what appears to be maybe the most urgent issue of, of scarcity in this economy. I'm, I'm living in Buenos Aires at the moment. Um, we've talked about, you know, fears from import restrictions that some of the automotive companies and other manufacturers might not have all their inputs. There's you know, some fears that coffee might be less available, but it's the figuritas that people talk about most. It's these stickers for the World Cup albums that come out every four years. Um, I see signs everywhere in this city, no hay figuritas, that every kiosco that normally would sell them doesn't have any. Those that do, very long lines, very agitated children and anxious parents. 
this has come to symbolize kind of economic dysfunction in Argentina, though I don't know actually if it shares any of the same roots as, as some of the other products we've discussed. What is going on with the World Cup figuritas? What does it mean for Argentina? What's, what's going to happen as we uh, come up toward the World Cup and, and the intensity grows even more? Well, it's it's very funny. I mean, I'm relaxed because we 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 made it at home, so we filled the album, so uh, we we are good for the for the season. Uh, but this is one example. I mean, two or three things to 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 lessons. First, probably there is short supply on purpose because you create your demand and you create this frenzy. Uh, so, uh, ten out of ten for the marketing guys in Panini who who created this. Um, all my respect. Uh, number two, I think this is also a change of habit in consumption because you know we have this for ages but traditionally it was the the, the school children who, who who did this job and now you see you know i have i have a school children at home but also i have grown-up children who basically have worked uh, quite hard to help his uh, their brothers to to do the job uh, and 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 everybody and in universities there are you know whatsapp chats in universities where people sell and, and exchange and so I think there is something new uh, here. And the third is the lesson in a country that is super close, where you know, imports, is almost, imports are almost a four-letter word, that trade is good because the, the better, the higher, the larger your network is, the more chances you have to fill the album. So uh, this is about trade. Trade improves lives, my friend. Uh, you know, keeping a, sh- a closed economy is bad. Uh, and, and the figuritas can tell you a lot, can uh, teach you a lot about that. That's my, my, uh, my four minutes on, on figuritas. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it, no. So it's a, a metaphor for the value of trade. Andres Borenstein, thank you so much. This has been exceptionally helpful. Um, Argentina's problems are, are complex. Um, economically, um, with major consequences for the country, for the region. Very important that we have a clear understanding of where things stand and where they might be headed. This was incredibly useful for me and I'm sure for, for our audience. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you very much for inviting me. You have been listening to the Argentina Project podcast, a program about political and economic developments in Argentina and U.S.-Argentina relations. This episode was produced and edited by Oscar Cruz. To learn more about the Wilson Center's Argentina Project, visit wilsoncenter.org LAP. And please join us again next time for another episode of the Argentina Project Podcast.